Welcome to Bills by the Numbers, presented by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Coming up in these three things, we examine Buffalo's prowess on first down on both sides of the ball. Does scoring first in games improve a team's win probability? And what quarterbacks excel in the fourth quarter? Former NFL MVP Rich Gannon joins us to talk Josh Allen, the best quarterback play this season, and the AFC playoff race. Time to grip it and rip it! Happy to have you with us here on Bills by the Numbers. Bills Wall of Famer Steve Tasker there. Bills insider Chris Brown here with you. We dive right in with these three things. First on the list this week is first down productivity on both sides of the ball, namely the teams that gain the most yardage on first down offensively and give up the least defensively. Now, full disclosure, we did talk about Buffalo's first down efficiency on offense a bit in last week's episode, but right now heading into week 17, There are only two teams in the league, Steve, that rank in the top five in both average gain on first down on offense and average gain allowed on first down on defense. The Las Vegas Raiders, which surprisingly rank fifth offensively on first down, fourth defensively on first down, and the Bills, who rank second offensively on first down and second defensively on first down. Buffalo averaging six and a quarter yards on first down on offense, allowing just four and three quarter yards on first down defensively. That's a differential of a yard and a half. But Steve, this helps you tremendously when it comes to third down, right? In the big picture, yeah, I think it does. I think every game's different and every third down, first down's a little different. That's, you know, that's why we we live in this analytics world that is telling but non-predictive. You never know how this next play is going to go. And right. who knew that on first down last week or second down, whatever it was, on one of these downs, you don't flip it to Devin Singletary and he carries 19 guys across the line. You know, you never, <laughs> yeah. you never know when you're going to get a play like that. Right. It's, it's completely unpredictable because of the situation, the day, and the teams involved. But when you look at the big picture, it does tell you how, you know, the consistency that you're at. Injuries are in that, COVID's in that. Down and distance, and and uh, obviously, and the matchups are in that. So everything is encompassed in this. When you take it over, the particularly where we're at now in week seventeen of the regular yeah. season, you got a huge body of work, and it does tell you about the consistency of your team. And I think it speaks to your roster, top to bottom, on both sides of the ball, not just the quality guys you have on either side that are stars. Yeah, and we mentioned the two teams that rank in the top five on both sides of the ball on first down, teams that are really winning on first down on both sides of the ball. Those are the only two teams that are in the top five on both sides on first down. I looked, I said, all right, well, how many teams are in the top ten on first down on offense and defense? There's only about six teams. So it's a pretty small group of clubs that win consistently on first down on both sides of the ball It's pretty impressive to be in that company, and the Bills are at the top of the list, second on both sides. Now, not surprisingly, because of that success on first down offensively, the Bills rank fourth in the league in third down conversions. Now, when you're productive on first down, obviously it makes things a lot easier on third down to convert. Last week, though, as you mentioned, Steve, you had some of those plays that helped them convert, get new first downs. You mentioned the Singletary play right at the start of the game. Last week against the Patriots, Buffalo pretty productive on first down. They averaged 7.34 yards 
on first down plays against New England. That's almost that's more than a yard above what their season averages on offense on first down. Three of their five biggest plays in that game, Steve, came on first down. The 28-yard pass from Allen to Isaiah McKenzie and the 25-yard scramble by Allen and the 18-yard pass to McKenzie from Allen. Their defense, however, and this was surprising to me when I went back and looked at it, gave up six and a half yards per play on first down to the Patriots. Amazingly, though, this is the thing that shocked me. The Bills' defense held them to one for ten on third down anyway. Yeah. Unbelievable. And that, and that was interesting because it forced, because of the Bills' offensive production and, and the way they were moving the football, I mean, every besides the kneel down at the end of the first half, the kneel down at the end of the game, uh, and one-fourth down that they didn't convert on the one, Yeah. besides those three those three, well, including one of those three, every single drive got into the twenty into the red zone for the Bills. Every yeah. single offensive possession. So the Patriots, and then when they got to third down, were getting snapped off every single time. They had to go for it. They were five of six on their fourth down, and that was something that was dictated to them, I think, by the Bills rather than any game plan they had going in. They had to go for it on fourth down to keep up, yeah. and it put a lot of pressure on them. Now, certainly they made the most of it. They were five of six on their fourth down conversions, yes. that kind of thing. But, man, to be backed into that corner and to be dictated to like that by, by the other team and their offensive success and their defensive success on third down, I, I, that said a lot about how that game went. Right, and as much as you want to dis- – like some critics might want to discount, but well, yeah, you, you held the Patriots to one for 10 on third down conversions, but you gave up five fourth down conversions. Well, the fact that you're even getting to fourth down is one thing. That's an accomplishment in itself. And let's not forget the other four times they're off the field. They got the Patriots right. punting on third down. So, you know, you look at all of that and I say, you know, salute to the Bills defense. You're giving up yardage on first down. You're still getting off the field on third down. Damn, that's good. But let's flip it back around to the Bills' offense. We've mentioned on our show, One Bills Live, our daily show, that the Bills seem to have found a groove since the second half of the Tampa Bay game a few weeks ago. Do you feel like they are playing and executing with the kind of confidence that we saw last season? It's much different, yeah. It seems that way, right? It seems like they're throwing it more confidently. Um, the thing that I noticed last year was that on crucial downs, Josh Allen is hitting on big plays. On on third and eight, third and ten, the, the shovel pass to Steph Diggs through two defenders that he mess, guys miss turns into a 19-yard. The McKenzie throws. And Isaiah McKenzie, I think, shockingly for some people, surprisingly, not shockingly, but surprisingly for some people, caught 11 of 12 targets. Uh, an incredibly efficient day. When they threw it to him, he was catching it. The one play he didn't get, it was a one-hopper that didn't trap, quite yeah. reach. There was a trap. Uh, so he, and he had separation. Uh, all of that put together, you know, it just leads to, you know, just the fact that you, this team looks different offensively. Those plays, since the second half of the Tampa, you can just go to the sec- second half of the Tampa game, uh, certainly. But man, oh, man. Yes, it looks a lot more like it did last year when they were throwing the football on any down you can name with a lot of confidence. Yeah. And if it's not there, unlike years past, we saw it this last week, the thing that surprised us both, we talked about it. Even if it's second down, first, second down, Josh will toss it away. Yeah, throw And that away. was very willing to do. He was very willing to do that at some times when you've seen him, when it, it caught you off guard that he would do that. But I think that speaks also 
to the confidence this offense yes. has. You know what? Absolutely. It's not here. I know it's second and 10, and if I throw it away, we're looking at third and 10, but we're going to be all right. And right. just I'm going to chuck it out of bounds here, live for another down. Right. Because I think we could pick up third and 10. Like, that's yeah. confidence. Yeah, it is. And they, and they did it. Um, <laughs> they were moving the football all over. It's a team that didn't take a sack and didn't punt. Right. Um, and didn't throw an interception. And I will say this, too, because, you know, in talking about where it came – from Tampa's game, the Tampa game in week 14, second half, it wasn't just the players that felt it. You remember what Coach McDermott was – how upbeat was – that was the most upbeat I've ever seen him after a loss in my life. Yeah. He was proud of the effort, number one, and the comeback, you know, effort. But he said it then. I think our team found something in this game today. He, he felt it, too. He felt that the team – flipped the switch, and became the team, at least offensively, and to a certain extent defensively, what they hold them to. Five, three points in the second half, six points in the second half, three or six points before giving up the touchdown in overtime. Right. Um, he sensed it, too. And I think it's been full steam ahead since. We're going to have an interesting conversation coming up with former NFL MVP Rich Gannon about this subject. Confidence, Josh Allen playing really well, and the one concern he might have about leaning so much on Josh Allen. We'll talk to him in a little bit here. Second on the list of these three things is the subject of scoring first. Now, we addressed Buffalo's recent scoring problems on opening drives and scoring in the first quarter last episode. They fixed it. Last week against the Patriots, Buffalo scored in their opening drive for the first time since Thanksgiving. And even though the Patriots responded on a touchdown drive of their own on the very next possession. Does scoring first dramatically improve a team's win probability? Well, our good friends at the 538.com took a deep dive on that very subject. Since 2000, Steve, NFL teams that have scored first have gone on to win 64.5% of the time. And this season, that advantage has been even more pronounced. Most recently, between weeks 9 and 15 this season, Teams that have scored first have gone on to win the game 75.5% of the time. What do you make of those percentages? I think the fact that it's between 9 and 15, the week's 9 and 15, you've got a handle on exactly who that other team is. Yep. You've seen them evolve through this season, and you know their roster way better than you would have in weeks 1 through 8 or at the beginning of a season. Uh, that goes a long way in an NFL coaching staff for an NFL coaching staff to get a handle on what they can and cannot do. And it also gives them an insight as to the mindset of a coaching staff's go-to adjustments. And adjustments are what the game is all about these days. You, you adjust series by series by series. Yeah. And when you've seen a team and other coaching staffs attack a team with the same knowledge that you have about who they are and what they are, you get a, a real idea of what they're going to do next. And that, um, that's the real key to winning football games. And when, and when you get up on them and you're, all, and you're already ahead of them or you've got a, a, an idea about what they're going to do, uh, that means you're, you're ahead of the game twice as much as you would be otherwise. In, in, about, right. You know what I mean? It's a bigger advantage than just being ahead on the scoreboard. I'm reminded of some of the games last year where defensive coordinators, Robert Sala, Vic Fangio, you know, are holding their hands up like, what do we do here against Josh Allen? We don't have a good answer. And, it, and I look at scoring first in games or early in games, and I say to myself, well, 
okay, scoring first, you're winning 75.5% of the time in this six-week sample size that 538.com took between weeks 9 and 15. And I'm saying to myself, well, are, aren't these teams that are scoring first also pretty good teams in most cases? And fortunately, 538.com thought that very same thing and looked at it. So the important question to ask here now is whether scoring early is more responsible for winning or if being a good team is more responsible for winning. <laughs> what the 538 found was more often than not, the better team, particularly one that is a good passing team, is more likely to score first. And if they have a good defense, they're more likely to win as well. The Bills kind of check both of those boxes. Yeah, they do. But the final findings do indicate that the team that scores first does become the favorite to win the game. Third on our list of these three things is the subject of quarterback play in the fourth quarter. Obviously, a good number of games are decided in the fourth quarter. Buffalo was only up five last week with seven minutes left in the game against the Patriots, had to put the game away with their final touchdown drive, and did. But quarterback play in the fourth quarter is critically important, not only when it comes to making plays, but not turning the ball over. And those two things, if you can put them together, you got a pretty unstoppable force to close out games, yeah, do you, you not? Yeah, you can feel it, and you must put yourself in the – position of the Patriots last week they couldn't get the ball away from the Bills and the clocks kept squeezing down squeezing down squeezing down Bills the, got a little lucky Bills got a little lucky on the first play of the final drive but if you're gonna if you're gonna we'll take a touchdown two touchdown drops and, well right and, you know what I mean and that's give a good them, point <laughs> uh, so if they're gonna if you're gonna start switching drops we'll take our two and give you your one um, then you know as as you can just feel the game choke the chances away from mm -hmm. your opponent. As the clock ticks down, you'd never turn it over. You didn't turn it over, and you're just moving the football and converting third down after third down after third down. And there's like a third and eight in there. There's a third and ten in there. There's, there's some unbelievable conversions in there that Josh Allen makes happen. Of course, then the fourth and two, or the fourth and one that really got when he boot, booted out of there. That just crushes crushes the ability of your opponent to get back in the game because they can't do it without the football. And if you never turn it over, uh, it's a crusher. Yeah, it's really tough. And we talk all the time about how the Patriots choke out the game with a run game and really good defense, right. particularly in the red zone, keeping points off the board. The Bills, conversely, choked that game out last week by being efficient on offense and continually putting points on the board. The bottom line is the Patriots ran out of possessions and ran out of time to yeah. keep up on the scoreboard, and they weren't as efficient on offense. Bills, you know, Bills walk away with a 12-point victory that, as you pointed out, could have been even well, you think a larger differential in points if they catch two more touchdowns. Patriots on punted passes. four times, I believe, four times, and they turned it over twice. Yeah. With a, you only get about 10 possessions a game. Yeah. Yeah, and the Bills... And against that team, you're done. The Bills were moving it inside your 20 every single time they had the ball unless they ran out of clock in the half. Yeah. Um, and even when they did, they got a fourth and one, and they dropped the touchdown pass. Yeah. And then you can't... The Patriots couldn't move it, and they punted out of their own end zone. Bills come down. That's when they got us another touchdown to put it 17 to, to 7 in the first half. All, all that stuff just piles on, and the Patriots were trying to get back into the game before they could actually think about winning the game, and the Bills never let them do it. For those of you that might be wondering, because this is what we do on Bills 
by the numbers. Through Week 16, the top-rated quarterback in the fourth quarter this season is the Rams' Matthew Stafford. 71% completion, 10 touchdowns, no picks, and a 123.5 passer rating. That's pretty good. The only other quarterbacks in the league with no turnovers in the fourth quarter this season, Josh Allen, who is third in fourth quarter passer rating at 115.9, Aaron Rodgers, who ranks fifth at 110.9, and Philadelphia's Jalen Hurts, who ranks seventh at 106.5. Now, the quarterbacks we mentioned are all on teams that have good team point differentials and have a good number of fourth quarters with the lead. But even when you're trying to put games away by making plays, not turning the ball over can be a challenge, as we discussed. A reminder to all daily fantasy players, right now, new customers can get a 20% deposit bonus up to $500 on your first deposit. Just sign up today by going to FanDuel.com Bills. That's FanDuel.com Bills, FanDuel official partner of the Buffalo Bills. We move along now to the numbers game. And this week, Steve will be quizzed on the highest-rated NFL quarterbacks in the first quarter of games this season. So we need you, Steve, to guess seven Oof. of the top ten here. And I will warn you, it's not a list made up solely of the top quarterbacks in football. So we just went over the best quarterbacks in the fourth quarter. Now we're looking for the best quarterbacks at the start <clears throat> of the game. So with that, Steve, take it away. Where do you come down on this? I will say top four, first quarter passer rating QBs. I realize this is kind of an out-in-the-weeds stat here because you yes, don't often is. see this. But that's what makes it challenging. We want to challenge I'll say everyone. Mac Jones. Mac Jones is on the list. He's number eight. All right. 105 rating. First quarter passer rating for quarterback. I'll say. Got to get seven here. One for one. Tua Tonga Vailoa. Tua is a nay. Sorry. He is not on this list. Baker Mayfield. Nay on Baker. I thought that it hurt Tom to give you the buzzer on that one. No, yeah. Um. Uh, I may as well, yeah, I'll say uh, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, number 10. Wow. 98.9 passer rate. I'll say Dak. Dak is number 7. Okay. How many 107. You've gotten three out of your first four guesses. You need to get four more of these guys in the top 10. Ben Roethlisberger. Oh, God, no. With the season he's had, you're better than that. All right, all right, all right, all right. I didn't know. I was, you know, I was taking a flyer. Uh, Justin Herbert. Herbert not here. Wow. Herbert not here. No. Oh, Tom. Tom. TB12. Tom Brady. Yes, number five. One hundred nine point three. Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray is on here. One fifteen point six. He is number four on the list. So you still haven't gotten any of the top three. Wow. Uh, Josh Allen. Josh Allen is not in the top 10. No. And I think that's due, due in large part to that kind of up and down middle portion of the season that this team had, particularly on offense. You think of games like the Jags game, the second Dolphins game where it's only 3-3 at halftime. He didn't get off to good starts. Mahomes. Mahomes is on this list. Yes, number 6, 107.3. So you need one more, Steve, to satisfy seven of the top 10 quarterbacks in first quarter. Matt Stafford. Passer rating. Stafford is not here. He's a finisher, not a starter, apparently. Yes. Need one I'll more QB. Tannehill. No, Mahomes. You already guessed Mahomes, oh, sir. Sorry. Tennessee. Tannehill. Not Tannehill, no. Why? Thank God he's not on that list. Gosh. Not a fan of that. 
Derek Carr. No on Derek Carr. I will oh. give you one more guess, and then I will tell you the remaining oh, it's got that four guy. on the list. It's Mr. T- Statistics, Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins, number one in first quarter Thank passer you. rating. You know what his first quarter passer rating is? 128.4. Dude. That's big. Here are the three that you did not get. Okay. Number two on the list, Russell Wilson, 120.2. The next two are surprising. Number three on the list, Carson Wentz. I was going to say 117.9. And number nine on the list, a rookie. And it's not Mac Jones, who you guessed. Justin Fields? It's Davis Mills. 103.2. Oh, yeah. 103.2. He's, he played very well last They're week against to talk the Chargers. About him as taking him off the hook. Go ahead and they'll be able to trade Deshaun Watson. Keep him as the starter. He's played that well. He's efficient. He's he's a lot like Mac Jones, and he's got a little bit better arm than Mac. Stanford kids, <laughs> you've got a better super arm than smart. Mac. You know, super smart kid making some plays. Yeah, I mean, they, they won that game against the Chargers last week without Brandon Cooks in the lineup. Yeah, it was, it was a nice win for them. And I think it may have told them something about Davis Mills. For those that are wondering, Josh Allen ranks 13th in first quarter passer rating. 93.2 is his number. We turn now to our featured guest this week. It's former NFL MVP and current Sirius XM NFL radio co-host Rich Gannon, who has been a big fan of Bills quarterback Josh Allen. So let's welcome in Rich. All right, Rich, so I have to start here because I heard you on Sirius XM NFL Radio. You were uh, pretty close to gushing about Josh with his performance last week against the Patriots. Um, but you've, you expressed an opinion that I think a lot of us share. When Josh plays like that and is making plays off script, there really is no good defensive answer for him, is there? No, I mean, he's such a, you guys know, you watch all the games, you watch all the snaps. He's such a unique player at that position. I mean, he's got a, a, a unique skill set. I mean, he's big, he's strong, he's physical, he's tough. Uh, when he runs with the football, it's not like, you know, another NFL quarterback running with the football. He's like a tight end. I mean, he's, he's not looking <laughs> to slide or get out of bounds. He'll knock you backwards. Uh, he's got great vision. I think his ability to, it's a lot of the unscripted offense that we see when we watch him, you know, something breaks down. I always say there's going to be a half dozen plays in every game where a receiver falls down, coming out of the break and left tackle whiffs and you, you turn the pass rusher loose. And can your quarterback make a play? And we see that week in and week out with, with Josh Allen. And uh, I love everything about his game. I, I remember, I remember Steve and I talking after his rookie year and there was a lot of criticism about Josh. He'll, he'll never be an accurate thrower of the football. There, there were Hall of Fame quarterbacks, and I won't mention them, but we're very critical of the fact that he wasn't a very accurate thrower of the ball. One of them was Terry Bradshaw. I will mention his name. I won't mention the other ones who <laughs> yeah, actually he's called documented, games yeah. on, other, on other networks. But my point is, they, were, they said, this guy, and I said to myself, that's ridiculous. I mean, once he learns protections, once he gets a better feel for the concepts in the passing game, once he gets a better feel for the defenses and who the defensive coordinators are in the AFC East, I think you're going to see uh, his, his feet get better. And now all of a sudden, you know, I think that number went from 52 uh, to like, you know, 63 to 60. I mean, it just continues to go up. And I, I just think the guy is, is developing into a really consistent player. 
at that position. When he gets out there and he plays like he has, like, you know, you saw it. If there was a crack in the defense or if they were covered up, he'd run the football for a first down. He finds the open, makes some really impressive throws, as you've mentioned, because of his physical gifts. One of the, it, it comes down to this, and this is at the highest levels. You see it once in a while where, in order to beat guys like that, like a John Elway or like a, like a Jonathan Taylor or, you know, some of these guys that are like a Derrick Henry, what it takes is another great player on the other team playing the same way in, in his face, either defensively or offensively. you got to have somebody who's elite in some other way or maybe the same way. Somebody's got to answer that in the same way he's putting it on your team. And that's kind of the way at the highest level of the game, that's kind of what we strive for, right? You're right, Steve. I, I think, I think if you're a defensive coordinator in the AFC East, and I think you know, you look at the crew they just played in New England, and and they're as good as there is in terms of game planning, scheming. Really, they have game plan specific uh, schemes each week. You know, they they they're not just generic. They're just not just a four three team or a three four team. I mean, they're a multiple uh, scheme when it comes to their fronts and coverages and pressures and and red zone and, and all the different specifics that we see week in and week out in the NFL. And you, so you say to yourself, and Bill Belichick's always done a great job of this. Okay. Who, who is the, who do we have to take away? If, if it's the Kansas city chiefs, we got to take away Travis Kelsey and Tyree kill. You know, if it's uh, the, the Tennessee Titans with the healthy Derrick Henry, we're, 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 we're not going to let him get started. We're, we're going to make Ryan Tannehill throw the football. Well, I think when you look at the, the Buffalo bills, you, it starts and ends with Josh Allen. And it's not just him dropping back and throwing the ball in rhythm. It's him, you know, we got to be disciplined with our rush lanes. We got to be really good with our eyes. We got to make sure that, you know, if we're going to play man-to-man coverage and we turn our back to the line of scrimmage, this guy's li- liable to pull it down and run for 20 yards before anyone even realizes he has the football. I think you got to find someone who it's, it's not one thing with a quarterback like Josh Allen. It's not like, okay, we're going to, we're going to blitz him or we're going to, you know, we're going to drop and play coverage. I think you got to be disciplined with your rush lanes. I think you got to do a good job setting the edge. I think you can't give him creases to run through. Uh, I think you got to try and get around them and, and, and force them to, to get off the spot a little bit. Uh, but my, my, my concern guys is this, he is such a, a, a big part of who they are offensively that if he is off his game just a little bit, are the bills good enough and deep enough uh, to be able to, to overcome that? I, I think when you look at, you know, Singletary and Moss and, and, and how they run the football, they're, you know, I know last year that was, you know, like they said, okay, this year it'll be a, more of a point of emphasis. We've got to do a better job surrounding uh, and supporting Josh Allen with a, with a, with a healthier run game. I, I don't know if we've seen that yet. Uh, you know, the, when, they're, when they're not healthy at the wide receiver position, how that impacts them. But, I mean, you look at Knox, you look at, you know, Diggs, you look at Beasley when he's healthy and Sanders. I mean, I, I think they've got a, a good supporting cast. But so much of what they do revolves around Josh playing at another level. And you worry that if they get into the postseason and Josh doesn't play like he did last week and he has a bit of an off game, are they good enough around him to be able to overcome that? That's my big question. Yeah, right. That's a valid concern. And, and we've seen those instances when he is a little off. They, sometimes they struggle. Um, the one area of his game, Rich, that seems to have even taken a step this year from where he was last year when he was at <laughs> a league MVP level, is, and we saw it this past week in particular, his willingness to take the check down too many times in his first three seasons, he's tried to play hero ball to be what you said, the all world player he needs to be to raise the level of this team to an elite level. And sometimes he would wait on the big play and pass up the check down last week. 
it's as quick as I've ever seen him go to checkdowns, and it kept the offense on schedule number one, on the field number two, and finished drives number three. My question to you is, I mean, he's in his fourth season. I know you had to kind of wait your turn before you got to be a full-time starting quarterback week in and week out. How quickly did the light bulb go on for you, and is his rare physical ability something that may have compromised that for him where it didn't maybe go on as quickly? Well, I don't know if I want to compare my football IQ with Josh Allen's and he, for, because he, he's picked things up a whole lot quicker, guys, than I ever did. <laughs> I mean, you look what this guy's accomplished uh, so early in his career. I mean, you, you know, in year three, we're talking about him as an NFL MVP candidate. I mean, you know, maybe the numbers uh, this year, you know, he went through that, a low, the team went through a little bit of a low. Right. That, that probably hurt him a little bit. But you look at his numbers. I mean, 34 touchdowns, 12 picks, over 65% completion percentage. He's got his team in a position to have a chance to win another division. I mean, the guy is a really fantastic player. And I think before it's all said and done, he will be an NFL MVP. But I think most importantly on his radar screen right now is to try and win a Super Bowl. And I think this team is trending in the right direction. I think he's got a lot of the qualities and intangibles. He loved that position. I think he processes information quickly and efficiently, much better than he did even a year ago. I think Brian Dable's done a really good job with him just in terms of his overall development, his maturity at that position. Uh, there's so much to like about his game. And I know you guys saw this, uh, but when you look at Bill Belichick embrace Josh Allen after that game, yeah, Steve, yeah. how often have you seen that? I mean, he, yeah. we, can't even, we can't even get him, we can't even get him to shake the other coach's hand sometimes right. without, you know, without being like after a loss. And I think, I think that speaks volumes about coach Belichick respects tough, prepared, hardworking, disciplined, you know, leaders. And I think he that's what you got with Josh. Yeah. And I think that, I think when you see a coach in a division embrace a guy like that and just really shows that he respects him, I think that speaks volumes about the type of player the Bills have in Josh Allen. Yeah, and I think one of the things that, that the Bills coaching staff have got to run into, sir, it's a long season. Now it's longer than ever, 18 weeks. So you got this guy who's this, you know, he puts a cape on once in a while and he carries everybody with him, Right. And you want to support him and build a roster that if he's off, you got another part of your team that can turn it on or that you can lean on. How it, 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 but we've heard this a ton, Rich, from offensive linemen we've had on former Bills guys and offensive linemen at large and quarterbacks and running backs. A lot will say this if you want a running game, you, you got to hand it off a lot. You got to work on it. You got to put it in the game and you got to stick with it and you got to run the ball more than the Bills are willing to do with Josh Allen at quarterbacks. If they ever want a running game, they're going to have to take the ball out of Josh's hands and hand it to somebody. If it's well, whoever it is, that gives your offensive line a chance to get cohesion. It gives them a chance to get aggressive. It, it puts something in the mind of the defense that says, hey, this comes first before we get to rush the passer. So all this stuff happens, but only when you hand it off a ton. How do you strike that balance if you're a coaching staff and you got this guy at quarterback Say, you know what? No, no, we're not going to win the game right here on this. We don't want to score. We don't want to make sure we score a touchdown by giving it to this guy. We want to lay some foundation for later on in the season by handing it off more. That's a tough balance to strike when you feel like you can score every series with this guy quarterback. Yeah, when you, you got a unicorn. <laughs> How do you strike the balance? Yeah, it, okay, you know, do this running game thing to keep things honest. It's a great point, Steve. I, I think you know, I learned from some really good coaches. I think in a critical situation, we always talk about you got to think about players and not plays. You get right. some of these, 
these offensive coordinators say, oh, we're, we're going to be, this is who we're going to be. And this is what we're going to do. And like, but this is, it's a 17 game season. And one week we might not have our left tackle. One week we may not have our starting running back. You have to be able to adapt and adjust and be flexible. But I also think there's got to be, you have to have a personality as a football team and as an offense. I, I think you, you think about Sean McDermott and his background. He's, I think he's got some of that old school, you know, toughness, physicalness. I think you have great line play on, on the offensive line, defensive line, how they draft uh, and develop players. And I think th those are priorities. I think if you're going to win over the long haul, you have to have that. But at the same time, as you point out, you've got this dynamic player. It's got, who has great versatility, who's got great escapability and playmaking ability. I, in a critical situation, the last thing I want to do is take the ball out of the hands of Josh Allen. You look at that fourth, fourth and one call last week. I mean, if, if I'm calling plays and, and my job's at stake, I'm going to make sure that he, he has the ball in his hands with a decision to make, whether he throws it, whether he runs it, because I trust him. It comes down to trust as a play caller, and that's the guy that I trust. But here's my one concern. When you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers over these last couple of years, they live and die with Ben Roethlisberger. They, they went out, they were the, one of the worst rushing teams in football a year ago. They went out and drafted the best running back in the, in the college last year, Najee Harris. And they refused to hand him the football. It's a little bit like what the Chargers did with Phillip Rivers. Steve, you remember all those times? Yep. At the end of the day, push comes to shove, critical situation. Just let Phillip Rivers do it. If we have to throw it 50 times, so be it. And, and you get in this rut and you start, and that's who you become. And at the end of the day, you, you get away from who you are and you, and you, and you, and the, the running game gets to be placed on the back burner. I'm not suggesting that's where the bills are, but I think in the long haul, you have to continue to work to develop a, a, a complete plan offensively. And the running game has to be a part of it. And, and it can't be an afterthought. It can't be, let's, you know, and it starts with a good offensive line an offensive line that can come off the ball and knock you backwards. Some running backs that you trust that can be physical, that can get downhill, that can create some explosive plays in the running game. And I think that's still a work in progress, but I agree with you. At the end of the day, it's players and not plays. I think one of the things that's hard too is uh, it, it's hard to be uncomfortable not doing it, you know, to, because it, only in discomfort are we going to grow, right? I mean, that you got to put your offense in a little bit of discomfort. You got to say, okay, we're going to run this ball here. Uh, you're going to have to make it work if you want to stay on the field, that kind of thing. So the only time we can grow as an offense or a defense is to put ourselves in a spot where we ask more than what we've been asked of in the past. And, but to live there and try and win a game at the same time. That's the mental problems you put your team through. It's when you when you got to learn about whether you really are a championship team is if you can do it when you're uncomfortable and doing it in a way that's not your wheelhouse. And the other area, Steve, is like in, in situational football, like short yards and goal line. I mean, when you when it's third and one or third and two, can you can you can you knock someone backwards? And, and, and when you get down inside the five yard line and you got first and goal from inside the three, can you run the ball in or do you have to kind of trick them? And I, I look at that a little bit as a concern. You know, they're not a team that's going to, you know, get the big fullback and the big halfback in there and knock you backwards. I, I don't see that when I watch this team play. I think they trust the quarterback on the quarterback sneak more than they do handing the football off to one of the backs to get to get a yard. So a little bit, I mean, it, it does catch up to you in some areas and it creates, it forces Brian Dable, I think, to be a little bit more creative in terms of how he's going to advance the football in some of those situations, but there's a lot to like here. Don't get me wrong. I mean, yeah. I think we're nitpicking. This is a really good football team. 
I like the fact that they've overcome some adversity this season. They've got themselves in a position. They've got a chance to, to, to really do something special. And, and, and Steve, as you know, you've been on some great teams. I mean, there'll never be another team that goes and wins four AFC championships. That, that'll never happen in our game. So you've been on some great teams. And you know the importance of going into the postseason with some confidence and momentum. And I think the Bills have a chance to do that this season. Yeah, Rich, thanks as always for the time. Great conversation with you. We appreciate it. Uh, we'll catch up with you down the line. Happy New Year to you. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Rich. We wrap up with FanDuel's free pick'em game, everybody. It's called High Low, where you pick teams for four different stat categories each week. Get all your picks right, and you could win a million dollars. Just go to FanDuel.com, scroll to their free-to-play page or tab, and you can click on that and begin to play FanDuel. Make every moment more. Steve, I will begin with the high-low for points this week. High for points, I like the Bills. Atlanta's defense has struggled all season long, and when the Falcons lose, they lose in a big way. Buffalo has all their passing weapons back coming off the COVID reserve list, so I think they run it up against a defense that is 28th in points allowed. Low for points, I've got your friends and mine, the Jaguars. They're the lowest-scoring team in football. They're facing the Patriots, who have given up the fewest points in the league this season. Do we need to do the math here? Enough said. Low for yeah. points, Jacks. I don't know if I can remember my who I had for highs this week. I'm going to go high for passing yards. <laughs> if you want to go for passing yards, it's going to be a shootout, and it's going to be in Cincinnati. The Chiefs headed into Cincinnati. Um, I'll take them. They're trying to hang in there for the number one seed. they got to keep winning. Cincinnati is going to fly high at home. Joe Burrow is carrying that team. The Kansas City Chiefs, I think, are going to do what they can to keep up. And I, I think the Bengals are going to push them to keep their foot on the gas. So okay. I'm going to say the Kansas City Chiefs. And For where are you low, going on the low? I've got the Carolina Panthers going up against the New Orleans. No, I want the New Orleans Saints, not the Carolina Panthers. Is that what I said? I can't remember what I said. Oh, boy, Steve. I think it's the Saints because they can't score. Okay. And their quarterback might be the same guy, Book, that got killed last week. Okay. So I'm taking the, the New Orleans Saints. New Orleans Saints for as passing the yards. Passing yards. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I'm going to go high for rushing yards here. It's not hard to keep on rolling with the Eagles. They've got seven games with 175 rushing yards or more. They're machine like on the ground. And even though Washington's a good defense, I think Jalen Hurts makes some off script runs for big yardage. In this one, low for rushing yards, taking the Raiders. They're playing a physical run front in the Colts, and they don't care to run it much at all, which is why they rank 28th in rushing. So Raiders for low on the rushing yards. For me, high in sacks, Tampa Bay against the Jets. I think they can get after them, although I think Zach Wilson's an athlete. He can get out of there. I think Tampa Bay's just going to bring too much. They're going to have to drop back a lot to, to stay in there with Tampa Bay, and I think New York's offensive line has struggled all year due in part to injuries. They're 24th in sacks per play, and Tampa's pass rushers uh, are going to eat this game. For low in sacks, the same matchup. <laughs> Brady's not going to get sacked, ever. Well, he rarely does. We know this. So I think so. I'm going to go with the New York football Jets. Okay, so you're thinking the offensive line could put up a clean sheet against the Jets, huh? All yeah, right. I do. So Jets low for sacks. That'll do it for this edition of Bills by the Numbers. Subscribe on whatever podcast platform you use so you know when our next episode is available to you. And remember, when you need to know about the Bills, you need to check B.
Bills by the Numbers. For Steve Tasker, I'm Chris Brown. Happy New Year, everybody. We'll catch you next week.